I spoke at the ILA's Women in Leadership Conference in Santa Cruz in June, and our closing keynote speaker was Dr. Caroline Kissia, Executive Director of Action Africa International, based in Kenya. And here I'm speaking to her about her work, her life, her career trajectory. It was such a great pleasure. I know you'll enjoy these inspiring and engaging thoughts on our leadership journey. Dr. Caroline Kissia. Hi, this is Penny DeVolk. Welcome to Grit in the Oyster, a conversation about how we navigate our careers, our organizations, our lives as women leaders. Exploring its challenges, learning from others, sharing best practice, an opportunity to step out of the fray for a bit, to help you tune out some of the noise and tune into being the best leader you can be. Well, welcome to the Women in Leadership Conference. This is the ILA Women in Leadership Conference in Santa Cruz, California. And I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking with Dr. Caroline Kissia today. Caroline was our keynote speaker. And Caroline is the Executive Director of Action Africa Help International. Caroline, it's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to speak with you. That's great. Um, Tell me a little bit about um, Action Africa Help International. I know you're an African NGO supporting livelihood-challenged communities in East and Southern Africa. Can you tell me a little bit more about the work? Yes. So Action Africa Help International is an African NGO It was actually born in South Sudan during the time of the Civil War. It's been in existence now for 32 years and has been supporting communities that are affected by conflict. Um, Initially, it started by working with communities in the in the Inye area of South Sudan. And when those communities were displaced across the border into Uganda mm-hmm. as refugees, uh-huh. then the the, 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 the the staff of Action Africa Help International followed them into Uganda okay. to help to provide the support that was required at that point. So as an organization, Action Africa Help International has worked with refugees quite literally from its very beginning. Okay. And we continue to date. We are currently working in six countries in the Eastern African region. Most of our pro- our largest programs are in South Sudan and Uganda. Yeah. And then we've got Kenya, Zambia, Somalia, and Ethiopia. In all these countries, we work with um, refugee populations, people who are internally displaced, and the communities that host them. Right. We provide basic services, um, access to basic services, clean water, sanitation, mm-hmm. access to healthcare facilities. And then as time goes along and people are well settled, beginning to look at livelihoods okay. and how to support the refugees uh, to begin to earn, generate some income for themselves yes. and be able to become a bit more self-reliant and take care of themselves, their families and contribute towards um, economic activity yeah. in the places that are hosting them. So the organization must be nearly 30 years old now, is it? 32 years 32 old. Years 32 years old. old yes, yeah. 32 years old. Wow. Yes, yes. How yes. long have you been executive director? I've been executive director uh, for 11 years. 11 years now. This is my 12th year with the organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, Caroline, tell me a bit about your story. So, my story. Um, I'm 52 years old. I was uh, second born in a family of eight children. Um, 
my father gave me opportunity to go to school mm-hmm. at a time when it's not something that I'd have been able to take for granted. Um, I was brought up grounded um, in Christian values mm-hmm. and in the virtue of hard work. And this has been part of what has guided me as yeah. I've gone along. I went to medical school, initially trained as a medical doctor. Yes. I came to the UK, went to Cardiff and mm-hmm. trained uh, in psychiatry. Uh-huh. And then when I went into the public health area, so I worked as a medical doctor for a while, then trained as a psychiatrist and did some work in mental health yes. uh, in Kenya, and then went into the public health area. And as part of that, I did uh, public health um, uh, training, um, actually at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Okay. And then um, um, later in my career, as I moved towards managing large organization, I also trained in health leadership and management okay. at McGill University in Canada. Wow. So yes. health leadership. Yes. Tell us a bit about your own leadership journey, though. Where, where did your leadership journey start? Oh, my leadership journey started uh, at a rural mission hospital in uh, Kilifi in mm. Kenya, a remote part of the country. Um, and when I started, I was completely green. I was 27 years old. Right. I was landed with the responsibility of running a 90-bed rural mission hospital. Wow. So for me, it was... Essentially, the equivalent of being thrown into the deep end. Yes. And um, just going on from there and trying to um, essentially get whatever help I could to be able to keep the hospital going, yeah. calling on any of, calling on my networks, calling on the people that I found there, calling on other leaders and learning from them um, in how to go about doing what it is that I was doing at the time. And uh, for me, really, the focus on the communities that we were there to serve is part of what um, gave me the the courage, actually, to quite literally knock at all sorts of different doors to try yes. and get support for the hospital. Mm. So what was the, you know, you said you were, what, 27 years old? Yes. What was the most powerful leadership lesson you learned there that you've taken through your career? Um, number one, it's... Um, it's um, an, it's the question of self-awareness, mm-hmm. self-awareness, knowing where it is that I'm starting from, knowing my strengths, knowing my weaknesses, knowing, knowing my grounding, knowing my values, mm-hmm. and then looking and for all the support that I can get from others to be able to make it possible to realize what it is that I was doing. Um, the second one was actually around taking risk, being able to step beyond my level, my area of comfort. Okay. To be able to get the services that needed, the support that was required to get what needed to happen at the hospital going. So that's about courage as yes, well. Yes, yes. What yes, fueled yes. your courage at 27? What fueled my courage was actually the, the, the core values that I hold. Mm-hmm. Um, being of service to others. I had an important responsibility that had been placed on me to make sure that the hospital ran and ran well and was able to provide healthcare services for people in need. So being in service to humanity for me is important in whatever position it is that I am in. And therefore, um, 
what really gave me courage was the desire to see that I was making a difference yeah. in the lives of women and children who come to the hospital seeking healthcare services. And it was important to me that having been given the responsibility of running the hospital, that I did in fact avail do my best to make sure that services run as well as possible. Right, so that leadership purpose was yes. what gave you courage yes, to take risks was. and it ask was. for indeed, things indeed. and get the support you needed. Indeed it, it was, yes. Now I gather you love climbing oh, as yes, well as running. Oh yes, Tell I me do. about your climbing. Oh, I love climbing, I love climbing. It's something that, 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 uh, that I, in terms of climbing the bigger mountains, it's something that I started not too long ago. Um, I've always been athletic mm. uh, from when I was young. Um, but I first climbed Mount Kilimanjaro um, six years ago, mm. and it was fantastic. I mean, I loved every moment of it. Um, there's in particular one time when I remember walking, and for a while I could see the clouds above me, and then I had the opportunity to walk into the clouds and could feel the moisture of the clouds around my skin and then walking above the clouds and being able to look down on a beautiful white carpet of cloud and it was a nice sunny day and at uh, the, the, the 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 camp that the the, the 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 campsite that we stayed in that night we had the following morning i woke up and there was this beautiful sunshine Beautiful sunshine, nice and orange, just above a cloud, a, 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 the carpet of white clouds, mm. and the peak, the snow-capped peak of Mount Kilimanjaro oh, right behind me. It was quite literally an experience out of this world. So I love climbing because it provides moments like those. Yes. And I'm able to really appreciate nature and God's creation. Mm. And it's humbling to realize that, yes, I am here on this planet, one amongst a huge creation. Yes. And uh, it inspires me to think about the role that I might play in conserving the environment, in making sure that the beauty that we have up on the mountains is available for our children and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. Yeah, mm. wonderful. Mm. Are there leadership lessons that you have learned from your climbing, because you're as passionate about your leadership impact as well. Absolutely. I think in terms of the climbing and leadership lessons, number one is that preparation is key. Mm. Preparation is key. Anytime uh, I'm going to any of the major mountains, I'll take time to make sure that I'm exercising properly. My physical fitness levels are as good as they can mm -hmm. be. But at the same time, the, 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 the mental preparation and just the anticipation leading on to the climb. So both in climbing and in leadership, preparation is key. Mm -hmm. On the mountains, pacing is very important. On Kilimanjaro, there's a saying of pole, 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 slowly, slowly, slowly. Because pacing is important. Mm -hmm. It allows opportunity for the body to acclimatize and get used to the higher and higher and higher altitudes. Mm. And failure to acclimatize properly can lead even the fittest person, um, can bring even the fittest person down. Similarly in leadership, pacing is important. When we lead a team of people, it's important that we do not leave people behind, that we do not rush people. 
to where they are so stressed it becomes difficult to properly contribute yeah. to what it is that we've got going on. In climbing gear is important and yeah. having the right gear for the right yeah. time. The right things in the, in the right toolkit. Things, mm. Yes, yes, yes. So in leadership, again, making sure that people are properly equipped, whether it's with knowledge, leadership skills, physical working, whatever it is that they need to be able to do what it is that they need to do. Um, in my day park, I'll always have my rain gear in right. it. Because yeah. however much sunshine there might be, the rain can come pouring at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And on the mountains, we learn to expect any weather and be prepared for any weather. In leadership, the, in, in leadership, we will encounter challenges. Yes. There'll be twists and turns along the path. And it's important that we come at it prepared to be able to deal with that. Both the expected, the unexpected, and the sort of mindset that we bring to that becomes very important yeah can in you expand on the mindset yes you mean when you were climbing you were you said you have to you were also conscious of preparing yourself psychologically yes 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 What's a lot of a lot of what sees a lot of what contributes to success on the mountains is actually the mindset okay and the way of looking at what it is that you're being there are many times when i'll be physically exhausted there are many times when i'll be wondering what am I doing? <laughs> it's being able to maintain, to retain an optimistic outlook on things, to be able to remind myself of my goal, mm, the, the vision purpose. I have, mm -hmm. the bigger purpose. When I'm on the mountains, it'll be that exhilarating feeling of standing at top. It for and you can visualize and focus Africa. on that. Yeah. And I get to visualize and wow. focus on that mm -hmm. so that even when I'm completely exhausted, I, that vision is compelling enough to keep me going. Similarly, in leadership, it's important that as leaders, we cast a vision that inspires us yes. and inspires the other people that we are working with because that is part of what will make it possible for us to keep going, even when the going is tough. Yeah, yeah. Even I love that in terms of preparation, mm, pace, mm, making mm, sure you've mm, got things in the mm, toolkit mm, and keeping the bigger picture. Yes. So even when it's tough along yes, the way or you yes. get a very rainy day yes. you weren't expecting, yes. you actually have the resources with you yes. to get through that. Absolutely. The other thing that's very important in the mountains is to realize that they'll, you'll climb up and climb down. Mm. And there are times I've been on the Himalayan ranges climbing Island Peak. And it was incredible. That is where that struck me the most because it was incredible. We'll, be, we'll climb, 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 climb and get right at the top of one ridge. And then you have to go down to yes. go across the river to, to climb, go up, to go up again. And I'd be standing on one and I'm thinking, I'm trying to gain altitude here. <laughs> you mean I'm actually going to have to walk all that way down and then up again? On many of the other mountains, whether it's on Mount Kenya or Mount Kilimanjaro, there are acclimatization days when we purposefully walk up mm. and come back down to sleep at a lower altitude. I think... Um, okay, the intention of that is acclimatization. Yes. But I think the other bit to realize is that in, in, in climbing mountains, as in leadership, there will be ups and downs. Yes. 
it will not be a straight journey. And sometimes you need to go down to go up again. And sometimes you need to go down to be able to go up again. Yeah. And um, for me, that's always very useful to remember and to try and um, learn whatever it is that I need to learn or gain whatever it is that I need to learn in the moments that I am right in the valley. Yes. Needing to gain strength to climb up yet again. It's a lovely metaphor because mm -hmm. often, mm -hmm. and we've heard some of it uh, mm -hmm. at the conference this uh, this week, is that when women often do end up going down in the valleys, instead yes. of thinking, I'm just getting stronger to go up, yes. that they can get stuck there with self-doubt and uncertainty. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And the journey down can be a painful journey. In fact, mm -hmm. that's the other thing about being on the mountain, that um, in many cases, many of us, myself included, will be thinking, oh, the climbing is the challenge. But then I'm walking down and uh, there's the impact on my knees. Yes. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh. All this pain for going down. Yes, all this pain <laughs> for going down. And again, in life and in leadership, mm -hmm. there's the pain that we experience when we have to go down. But realizing that we don't have to get stuck in that valley. Yeah. Yeah. That there are new ascents for us. That there are new ascents for us. Yeah. The other very interesting thing that I've learned from mountain climbing is that you'll get one peak and then there's another one <laughs> and another one. And there are times when I'll be completely exhausted and I'm thinking, when will I ever get to the summit? Yeah. So. And that's the same in leadership. We'll achieve particular heights of success and then realize, yes, there's actually another level to that and another and another. And as I have climbed mountains, I climbed, I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, I've climbed Mount Kenya, which is a beautiful mountain to be on. Mm. Uh, I've climbed Island Peak. And even with that, I realize there are many other peaks, yeah. some of them higher, some of them lower, some of them um, all covered by snow, others as tried the equator and yes. nice sunshine and warmth. Yep. And um, yes. So all of those summits have different components. All of those summits have different components, yes. And they are all for climbing. Absolutely. absolutely. In their different way. And in their different ways. Yeah. In their different ways, yeah. And, and 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 as women, there are many times when we may feel like we are not quite um, on the right summit, mm -hmm. and uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, walking down that one and walking, walking around for one. a new one. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. That's yes. great advice. Mm. When you think of the challenges mm. in your career, mm. would you be able to look at one or two, Caroline, and say that? They, they were the toughest. Yes. I think for me, one of the things that's been tough has been working in the South Sudan context, mm. a country that's in the midst of a civil war, a country that has had armed conflict going on for a long, 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 long time. And I think for me, one of the challenges that remains a challenge to date, actually, is the fact that uh, maintaining hope in the face yes. of in the face of um, the difficult 
circumstances. Yes, such that, difficult circumstances. Yes, 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 yes. And for me, one of the things that's... Um, so being able to maintain hope, hold on to that, and um, continue to communicate and hold the required optimism mm. that is part of what provides the energy for yes. our teams to keep going in spite of the challenges that are associated so with that. So how do you do that? Been, Hope and optimism been, in the face of been, such challenge. Has been a challenge. Yeah. Um, a lot of it... Um, for me, actually, a lot of it comes from um, the communities that we work yes, with. Yeah. What you see, for. what mm. I'm there for, mm. and seeing the resilience that the women there have, in spite of all the adversity that they've been through. And uh, for me, it's actually humbling to mm. be in that setting. And even when I am getting despondent, that on the larger scale the peace that we want to come is not yet yes. there. On a smaller scale, being able to see that we are making a difference. Mm. And keeping focused on that. And keeping focused on that is part of what has helped yeah. see us through that. Yeah. You talked about in your in the, the keynote um, some of the transitions that you've had in your career, and that yes. is often quite a big theme yes. uh, for our listeners, is going mm -hmm. from one role to another, yes. especially how it brings a working identity transition. Yes. And you had a big transition going from a medical doctor. Can you outline yes. some of that and how you managed that in yourself? Yes. Uh, I, I transitioned from being a medical doctor uh, doing clinical work mm. Um, um, to go into the non-profit and doing more of uh, public health work. And for me, that transition was major. Yeah. I had issues with uh, uh, my self-identity. Yes. I went from being, you know, a proper doctor mm -hmm. to sort of doing um, something that felt like it was um, uh, less well-defined. Yes, yeah. Less well-recognized. Uh, mm. um, did not have the sort of attract the sort of respect or the sort and of acknowledgement and value and yeah. value mm. and acknowledgement that comes from being you know a medical professional, a medical yeah. professional and perceived and, as such mm. and perceived as such so um so there was a point in time where in terms of even my self-identity as um a leader um, was impacted by that. And for a moment, it was a bit awkward yes. for me even, how do I describe myself mm. to the people that I'm dealing How with? am I defined? How yeah. am I defined? And uh, it was not helped by the fact that I'd left a prestigious organization yes. to go to a total startup, um, a total start startup mm. uh, situation. Um, but looking back at that, I'm glad I did. Right. Because it, put me, it recentered me in work that fitted a lot more closely with what I feel is my purpose and my calling okay. to make a difference out there for disadvantaged and poor populations mm. impacted by conflict in many ways. So I'm glad I did But it felt that. uncomfortable at the time. Oh, at the but time it, it was felt very the right transition. It was the right transition. The other thing that I realized in that transition was recognizing that I needed to re-equip myself okay. to be able to effectively 
carry on there. You carry needed to the new, get a new pack. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And how yes. was what did that new equipment look like? Oh, that new equipment for me included studying public health mm-hmm. to get to properly understand dealing with population health vis-a-vis. Um, so there was the some new technical, so new technical expertise you needed to acquire. Yes, mm-hmm. there was new technical expertise that was required in that. Um, and uh, a shift in mindset. I went from a situation where as a medical doctor dealing with a patient, I'd be fairly clear what it is that... Um, um, that was required. That was required, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would write out prescriptions and tell people this is the medication you need to take mm. and this is how you need to take and so on. And I went into a world where things are less clear-cut mm. and where there's more complexity and where the, 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 there's more complexity in the issues that we are dealing with. Um, there are multiple different ways that um, um, a given thing could be accomplished. And uh, in dealing with population health, there's a lot more that needs to be considered than dealing with an individual yes. and individual so health. you've got a whole ecosystem so a whole, you're trying to yes, influence. So there's a mm-hmm. whole ecosystem that I needed to influence. Mm-hmm. As a clinician, um, a lot of it is a very one-on-one relationship with my patients. When I went into the sort of more public health, more management leadership type environment, it was about accomplishing things through other people and the transition between this is me doing this versus a role that says I need to support other people, mentor other people, coach other people, guide other people to be able to achieve what needs to be achieved as opposed to doing something myself um, was an important transition. And how did you acquire that new leadership muscle? Again, for me, reskilling, retooling has been an important part of my journey. Yes. Um, I initially trained as a medical doctor, then I got a master's degree in psychiatry, and then got another master's degree in public health, and then got another master's degree in management and leadership. Okay. So for me, that, that was very valuable because I like to know. Yes. I like to know. I like to know that I know what it is that um, that I am doing. So for me, that was very valuable. But the other thing that was even more important was in being able to learn from others. So one of the when I first went into the public health nonprofit uh, sector, there is one uh, one of the most senior people in the field that was my mentor. His name was Chris Wood. That was my mentor. And um, I learned a lot from him and his guidance and his coaching. Right. So mentors invaluable. were important to absolutely, you along the way. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. What was the uh, biggest surprise for you when you look at your career to date? What has surprised you the most? I think what surprised me the most was um, it's gone in directions that I never, ever would have imagined. Mm. In particular, um, taking on uh, the startup um, was quite an adventure because um, I left this prestigious, permanent and pensionable job to go and work for a startup, non-profit, that only had 18 months worth of funding. And uh, it was... Uh... So on the face <laughs> of it, that was risky. Indeed, it was. 
Indeed it was. It was indeed risky. But again, it's part of what, uh, it brought me a lot of satisfaction, a lot of joy. Mm. It's part of what made it possible for me to stand um, at a stage in the Silicon Valley to receive yes. an award mm -hmm. for use of uh, the modern information communication technologies for community health and development in rural communities. So it, it was a risky venture. I was excited by the opportunities and the possibilities that it brought along. I had no idea how it was going to turn out. Yes. Absolutely none. Um, but I, as I got into it, I was clear, again, back to the climbing um, 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 bit, enjoying the journey yes. and getting the most from every step of the journey. And uh, yes, it did pay off taking that particular risk. And it's part of what then made it possible for me to get into the path that I've gotten into that has led me to where it is that I am today. What a wonderful story, and I love that, enjoying the journey. Yes. So your climbing metaphor is a wonderful metaphor for leadership generally. Thank you. And closing, yes. Caroline, is there any advice, to, you know, the, the women leaders listening to this now, if you were to speak to them directly? Yes. These are women aspiring and also in leadership roles at the moment. Is there anything you'd like to say to them? Yes. Uh, what I'd like to say to them is that as, as, as women, it's to recognise that we're already doing a lot in the world and we have huge potential to do even more. Um, in my case, I know that there are many times when I've had a lot of self-doubt, when I've had fear, when I've had, you know, situations where I'm wondering, will I really be able to, um, to pull this off? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> do yes it. absolutely, absolutely. And uh, so really my advice to the women out there is that, uh, would be that have confidence in yourself. Acknowledge any of the other areas where you may need to get extra skills. But if you're centered in your purpose, in your calling, doing something that aligns to your core values, then you can will come across whatever challenges you come across, whatever barriers you come across in your in your career, and there will be a way around that. I'd also advise the women out there to make sure that as we take time to take care of everybody else and our businesses and our work and our families and everything else, that we also remember to take care of ourselves and to find those things that when we do do them, um, help to energize us and rejuvenate us so that we have the extra strength that we need to be able to journey on in our leadership journeys. Wonderful. Caroline, that's great advice to journey on. Yeah. It's been such a delight to spend some time with you today and this week. I really do appreciate all the advice you've got. It's been a real pleasure. Dr. Caroline Kissia. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Grit in the Oyster. If you're enjoying our conversations, do subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and stay in touch. Penny at pennydevolk.com.